0: You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Pregnancy Podcast. You can check out the Your Birth Plan book for the resource that you need to create and write your birth plan. This book is going to help you prepare for the birth experience you want, and it's full of evidence-based information to help you make whatever is the right decision for you. To check out the book, you can go to pregnancypodcast.com forward slash your birth plan. Last week, we talked about some common pregnancy myths, and I didn't talk about things like if you have heartburn, it means that your baby has a lot of hair, which is not a thing. We talked about some serious myths that have major impacts on your pregnancy and birth, things that can affect C-sections, inductions. If you missed that episode, you can go back and check out episode 76. This week, we are talking about the testing for gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes affects somewhere between 6 and 7% of pregnancies, and while you may not be in this group, the testing will affect you because it's become standard procedure to test all pregnant women, even if you do not have any risk factors. Gestational diabetes is a type of diabetes that just occurs during your pregnancy, and like so many other things, it goes away after the birth of your baby. So to understand gestational diabetes, it's going to help to kind of understand how your body processes glucose. When you eat, your body breaks down the glucose from your foods, and glucose is a type of sugar, and then this is used throughout your body for energy and fuel. Your pancreas produces a hormone called insulin, and insulin helps your muscles, your fat, and your other cells absorb the glucose for fuel. When you're pregnant, your body naturally becomes more resistant to insulin. And this means that more glucose remains in your blood because it isn't being absorbed. And then as a result, more glucose is going to reach your baby. I'm sure that you can imagine that a growing baby needs a lot of energy and fuel to grow. So this makes sense. They're using that additional glucose for fuel. For most pregnant moms, this works exactly like it is supposed to even though your body is more resistant to the insulin and the higher levels of glucose in your blood, your pancreas is going to react by producing more insulin, which is exactly what it's supposed to do. Overall, this whole process is still going to keep your blood sugar levels in check. A problem can come in when your pancreas can't keep up with the high demand for additional insulin And too much glucose builds up in your blood. This is known as hyperglycemia or high blood sugar. Insulin doesn't cross the placenta, but glucose does. So if you have too much extra glucose in your blood that's not being absorbed and used as energy, then too much glucose is going to go to your baby. All that extra glucose is going to be way more than your baby needs for fuel and energy. So it's going to end up being stored as fat. There are some things that put you at a higher risk for gestational diabetes. That is if you are overweight, if you are over the age of 25, if you have had gestational diabetes in a previous pregnancy, if you have a family history of diabetes, And we don't exactly know why, but if you are Black, Hispanic, American, Indian, or Asian, you're also more likely to develop gestational diabetes. For pregnant moms that have gestational diabetes, there's quite a few increased risks that come along with that. You would be at a higher risk for a C-section. You're at a higher risk for preterm labor. Gestational diabetes raises your risk of hypertension and preeclampsia. You're more likely to get gestational diabetes in a subsequent pregnancy and more likely to develop type 2 diabetes later in life. Gestational diabetes also has quite a few effects on your baby. The first is a risk of your baby gaining too much weight. And macrosomia is the medical term for a big baby, which is defined as a baby that is over 4,500 grams or 9 pounds, 15 ounces. The issue with a bigger baby means there's an increase in shoulder dystocia or injuries during birth. As your baby's body is trying to deal with these really high levels of glucose, their pancreas is going to respond by producing more insulin. This amped up production of insulin can result in them having lower blood glucose levels at birth. They can have breathing problems, jaundice. They are more likely to end up in the NICU or the neonatal intensive care unit. Babies born with excess insulin are at a higher risk for obesity and type two diabetes. So you can see that there are a lot of risks that come along with gestational diabetes. I'll put a link in the show notes to a study of over 25,000 women that looked at all of the adverse pregnancy outcomes that can be associated with having gestational diabetes. And there's going to be quite a few links in this episode. You can find everything at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 77. If you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, You're going to be advised to make some diet and lifestyle changes to keep your blood sugar levels in check. When gestational diabetes is managed, you can usually avoid any of the potential complications that can come along with it. The problem comes in when it's not diagnosed or managed. And when gestational diabetes is not controlled, you're at pretty high risks for some of those adverse outcomes. There are several ways that your glucose levels are measured throughout your pregnancy. The first is through urine. You're probably going to take several urine tests during your pregnancy at various prenatal checkups, and one of the things that they're testing with the urine sample that you're giving them is that they are looking for glucose levels in your urine. The biggest test that affects almost everyone during pregnancy is the Glucose Challenge Screening. This is a screening test that's performed in the third trimester between 24 and 28 weeks. If you do have other risk factors for gestational diabetes, your doctor or midwife may recommend that you get this test done sooner. The glucose challenge screening is considered a standard test. So the majority of pregnant women are going to be required to do this. This is a screening test and not a diagnostic test. It's really important to understand the difference between these two. A screening test just tells your doctor or midwife if you are at an increased risk of having something. It doesn't actually diagnose it. If the glucose challenge screening shows that you have really high levels of glucose in your blood, it does not tell your care provider that you have gestational diabetes. It just tells them that they need to do further testing and do a diagnostic test to find out for sure whether or not you have gestational diabetes. With the glucose challenge screening, you're gonna be asked to drink a sweet liquid of glucose, which again is sugar, And then you're going to have your blood drawn one hour from having the drink because blood glucose levels normally peak within about an hour. I want to talk a little bit about this glucose drink. This is a drink that's manufactured by pharmaceutical companies, and there are some ingredients in it that some concerns have been raised about. In advance of taking this test, if you're concerned about the ingredients and you want to know exactly what is in this drink... Ask your doctor or midwife if you can just take a look at one of the drinks and read the ingredients on the label. And you could do this at any appointment. This is something that they should have on hand in their office. One of the ingredients that probably is the most controversial is brominated vegetable oil. This is something that's banned in Europe and Japan, but not in the United States. This uses vegetable oil that's going to be corn or soy based which could be a concern if you are trying to avoid genetically modified foods. And this also includes bromine, which is an element that's found in brominated flame retardants. Sounds terrible, I know. This is not an ideal ingredient, but we're also talking about consuming this once, maybe twice during your pregnancy. If this is something that you want to avoid, you should also be checking labels on some of the sodas that you're drinking, especially citrus sodas or something like Mountain Dew. And of course, you know, the best thing to be drinking during your pregnancy is always going to be water. And it's a good idea to avoid or limit really sugary drinks. There's also going to be some other ingredients that could be corn derivatives. Again, if you want to avoid GMO foods, that may not be ideal. And then artificial coloring. There are a couple different manufacturers of this drink and the ingredients are going to vary from one to the next. So if you're concerned about the ingredients and you want to know exactly what's in it, ask your doctor or midwife if you can take a look at one and read the label on it. There are some care providers that are open to alternatives to that glucose drink. There was a small study that compared the glucose drink to jelly beans. Think of it as if you're consuming the equivalent of 50 grams of glucose from another source, like jelly beans, then it could be sufficient enough to create the same response as the drink would. I'll put a link to that study in the show notes. And I'm also going to link to a Cochrane review that looked at a lot of different methods of testing gestational diabetes. Overall, they concluded that there was insufficient evidence to assess which strategy was best. Not helpful at all, I know. But if you do want to avoid the drink, talk to your doctor or midwife and find out if there is anything else you could do. Eating jelly beans seems to be the most common, but I've also heard about drinking juices or eating a candy bar and a lot of different other alternatives just to get that 50 grams of glucose. One other option is you may be able to monitor your blood sugar at home. Some women are concerned about consuming 50 grams of glucose in a short period. You're only given five minutes to drink that drink. And I've heard this a lot in the paleo world. Women who have a paleo diet tend to consume low levels of sugar regularly. So they're concerned that drinking a really high amount of sugar is definitely going to make them pop positive on that test. To monitor your blood sugar levels at home, you're going to get a test kit that requires that you prick your finger with a blood sugar monitor several times a day. And then you're going to keep a food journal and test yourself for seven days or 14 days. If you want to explore this option, talk to your doctor or midwife and find out if it's a possibility. This is a lot more involved on your end. One, you have to keep track of everything that you're eating for a week or two weeks, and then you're gonna be testing your blood sugar yourself four or more times a day. Although there is a positive to this, keeping a food journal gives you a really good view on everything that you're eating and is a good tool if you're monitoring your diet. But if you are trying to avoid that glucose drink, then monitoring your own blood sugar levels at home could be an option. You just need to make sure that your doctor or midwife is comfortable with that. And then again, like I said, it's just gonna be a little bit more work on urine than going into your care provider's office and sitting there for an hour. If you are going to take the glucose challenge screening test, you don't need to fast or do anything to prepare for this test. Although I don't recommend drinking a huge sugary soda or eating donuts or a lot of sugar prior to taking it. Because what it's looking at is the level of sugar in your blood. So a high level of sugar in your blood is going to indicate that your body may not be processing sugar effectively. The threshold for a normal blood sugar level is going to be somewhere between 130 to 140 milligrams per deciliter or lower this threshold may vary a little bit between providers. And this blood glucose screening test is not perfect. It has a sensitivity of about 74%. So a positive result correctly identifies 74% of women who have gestational diabetes. It also has a specificity of 77% which basically means that 33% of women without gestational diabetes are going to get a positive result. I'll put a link in the show notes to a study on the accuracy of the glucose challenge screening test. So if the results of this screen are positive, then your care provider is likely going to have you take the glucose tolerance test. And this is a diagnostic test. I did do a QA and a episode a little while back where I looked into some statistics on the number of women who go on to take the second test and are actually diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I'll put a link in the show notes to that Q&A. And I talk about a study that showed that about 35% of participants who were over the limit on the screening test went on to be diagnosed with gestational diabetes on the second test, the diagnostic test. If you want to read more on that study, I'm going to link to it in the show notes of this episode. But if your blood sugar levels are over the ideal limits on the screening test, it does not mean that you have gestational diabetes. You would have to do this glucose tolerance test to actually diagnose it. The glucose tolerance test, which is sometimes called the oral glucose tolerance test and is abbreviated OGTT, is a common type of test for potential gestational diabetes. And like I said, this is going to diagnose whether or not diabetes exists, because it's looking at how your body is using glucose effectively. Prior to taking the glucose tolerance test, your doctor or midwife is going to ask you to limit Your carbohydrate intake for three days. And they're likely going to have you limit it to about 150 milligrams of carbohydrates. This is about what you would get from a slice or two of bread. And then right before the test, you're going to be asked to fast from eating or drinking anything but sips of water for 14 hours prior to the test. So this is a test that's probably going to be scheduled for first thing in the morning. You also may want to have somebody drive you to and from the test since your energy levels may be low and there's a slight possibility that you could be lightheaded. If you are going to be taking this test, definitely make sure that you understand your care provider's instructions clearly on exactly how you need to prepare for the test. So when you arrive, a technician, nurse, doctor, midwife is going to be drawing your blood To measure your baseline fasting blood glucose level. And then they're gonna have you drink that glucose drink. And this drink is gonna have a more concentrated solution of glucose, usually about 75 or 100 grams of glucose. And then your blood is gonna be drawn and tested every hour for the next three hours. This test is more accurate than the screening test. And like I said, it's a diagnostic test. If only one of your readings comes back abnormal, your doctor or midwife may just suggest some changes to your diet and possibly test you again later in your pregnancy. If two or more of your readings come back abnormal, then you're likely going to be diagnosed with gestational diabetes and you're going to be having a conversation with your doctor or midwife to talk about a treatment plan. Now, I know treatment plans sound scary, but treating gestational diabetes during pregnancy normally just involves some diet and lifestyle changes, and it usually can be managed to minimize a lot of those risks that come along with gestational diabetes. If you have any questions or concerns about gestational diabetes or taking these screening tests or diagnostic tests for this, talk to your doctor or midwife. You also want to make sure that you know whether you have any special instructions on fasting or what you should be eating before you take a test. And if you are required to sit in your doctor or midwife's office for an hour or three hours, please make sure that you bring something to occupy your time. The last thing that I want to mention in relation to this topic is The stress and anxiety about taking tests. I know a lot of moms really feel like they're constantly waiting for test results back. And when talking about the glucose test, a lot of moms talk about this in terms of passing or failing. And if you fail the test, then, you know, you did something wrong. Gestational diabetes can be managed. So it's not a sentence to have negative pregnancy outcomes. It does put you at a higher risk for some things. But with a healthy diet, you should be able to manage that. And if you do have gestational diabetes, then that's definitely something that you and your care provider want to be aware of, just so you can keep a close eye on it. To recap today's episode, we talked about gestational diabetes, what it is and how it affects you and your baby. And then we talked about all of the different testing options for it, from a screening test to a diagnostic test. And it gave you some alternatives to drinking that glucose drink, which does not taste good. And some women also have some concerns about the ingredients in that. So you do have some alternatives. I want to thank you for tuning into the Pregnancy Podcast today. I hope that you find this episode helpful. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 77. You can find me on Twitter at Preg Podcast or Pregnancy Podcast on Facebook. And you can also join the Pregnancy Podcast community on Facebook. If you're on Instagram and you're up to share any pics of your bump or your nursery, please tag me on Instagram at pregnancy podcast. I love seeing your pictures.